All right. We are live here from USDN. And as y'all can tell, I have brought back Mr. Gibbs. What up? And it only cost me a few Imperial credits to bring him on and keep him on retainer for while Ahsoka is on. And um, so let's jump right on into this and I'll do my little spiel. So everybody, welcome to the United States Department of Nerds, where we are for the people, by the people, and of the people. Here at USDN, we strive to bring you the best content we can find and where you know it will always come with the USDN seal of approval. We will always strive to give you factual data, and if it's a rumor, we will always give you the rumor alert before we give you the freshest info. However, you know damn well once we find out it's true, we're going to hit it with the seal of approval from USDN. Sorry, guys. I'm, I'm figuring it out. It's that time of the show where we pay homage to our brothers and sisters from the pit. And we give shots, shots, shots. And tonight we are going to do a shot once again for the man who is carrying Ahsoka single-handedly from the grave on his back. Mr. Ray Stevenson, a.k.a. Balin Skull in, in Ahsoka. Rob, what you drinking on? Got a little crown. little crown in his cup. And he was even the Japanese version for a half a second there. It was blurry. Uh, this is the uh, Bubble Fit uh, Tervis. And I'm drinking a little coffee because <laughs> I drink coffee all day. And according to my go. dentist, I should really stop doing that. <laughs> but here's to that dentist for telling me to stop. There we all go. right. On a very special edition of USDN, we are bringing you a breakdown of Ahsoka episodes three and four, and we're going to be doing those here on Patreon, all leading up to our huge route party on October the 11th, I believe it is. It'll be on our normal channels, on Facebook, YouTube, Twitch, wherever you normally would watch us, you'll be able to catch that final wrap episode, where we cover everything that we're covering right now, only we're giving it to y'all. Episode by episode. So if you're out there live with us, we appreciate you coming on board to hang out. So I was I was talking to some of my fellow USDN podcasters. 
Jin and Tay and EJ, and they were like, hey, it'd be kind of cool if you did a, a character breakdown. Like, what the hell are all these alien species? So I was like, that makes sense. We're at USDM, we want to educate and kind of further your knowledge in the Star Wars world. Not just Star Wars, but Predator and aliens, whatever it may be. And that's kind of like what we're we're kind of building our bases on is a little educating and a little entertaining. So I'm going to go ahead and jump into our very first character spill, and then we'll jump into the characters we have seen so far in episodes three and four. But first up, let's go ahead and jump into Ahsoka. So Ahsoka is a Togruta. Am I saying that right, Rob? Yes. All right. So the Togruta are a sentient humanoid species characterized by their colorful skin tones. And their their skin tones are evolution of their species. And it's mainly from, you know, camel hutflage for predators on their home world. Uh, They have large montrals, which are their head tails, and white facial pigments. Correct me if I'm saying this wrong. They are from the planet Shili. That, that's in the about, expansion region. That's about as good as I could do. All right, cool. All right. Although Shili is their homeworld, there are about 50k individuals on the planet Kiros, which is also an expansion region. So, who are some other well known to Gruta? So, we got Shakti, which is probably one of my favorite. Jedi from the Clone Wars. And we got uh, Jora Mali. I think that's how you say his name. Yep. And then we also had at one point a Supreme Chancellor Kiramis Kaj. So some cool facts about the Togruta. They have multiple stomachs, but most notable is their large organic head formations. Two large cone like horns called mantrals atop their skull in their three leku, also known as head tails that where am I at? That sense movement of objects around them through echolocation and could sense objects and things up to 82 feet away. How's that breakdown, Rob? That breaks down pretty good. That, that does. Uh, uh, one big thing to note is they share the leku with Twi'leks. It's a characteristic. I'm uh, glad you bring uh, up the Twilights because before we jump into episode four here, we're going to have a little character breakdown of Harris and Dula and what, and what it is to be a Twilight. Yep. So, yeah. And the thing with the uh, Togruta uh, is they the pigmentations and the colorations can be wildly distinctive between individuals. You there, Rob? Yeah, I'm here. Did I? Sorry. Yeah, I think it might have been because I I jumped over to make sure that the other things were going through like they're supposed to. So that's on me. Okay, no worries. All right, so I'm not going to give the backstory again. I think we know where we're at with the story as far as that goes. So let's. I want to jump in and talk about some characters that were recently added in the new episodes just now. In episode three and four, 
see. Ah, yes. Hayden Christensen's going to be the first mm-hmm. appearing as a a de-aged Darth Vader. Ah, uh, no. Nope. Well, Anakin Skywalker, my bad. Uh-huh. We'll, we'll jump into some theory here later. And then we had one of my favorite guys from Star Wars and the Mandalorian, Paul Sung, Sun Hung Lee, Captain Carson Tiva, which I really enjoyed his character throughout the Star Wars series, Mandalorian, and especially in Mandalorian. He 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 was really good in Mandalorian. Well, they're kind of using him to branch all of uh well, I mean. You've had several characters that branch over, but he's one that is he can connect background. Yeah, but he's connecting all the different things that are going out there. Yes, and it's kind of weird to see him in this, considering where he was just seen compared to where he should have been seen at the end of Mandalorian season four, three, three, three. We haven't got episode season four yet. No. And another good one that I wanted to note, this will be the last new guy I'm going to bring in to the to this, mm-hmm. is Brandon Wayne. Why does his name sound familiar? <laughs> he is the grandson of the Duke, John Wayne. Yes, that John Wayne. And oh, by the way, if he still seems familiar to you, that's the Mandalorian with the mask on, with the helmet. Yep. So he's Pedro Pascal's double. Yep. So, I mean, he, he's been around the Star Wars universe for a while. And this isn't his first appearance in Star Wars as a um, X-Wing fight, fighter pilot either. He's made several other appearances before. Yeah. So I think that's kind of cool that John Wayne's grandson, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> in Star Wars. <laughs> Who would have thunk it? So let's dive in now, Rob. To part three called Time to Fly, where Hera tangles with the New Republic politics while Ahsoka and Sabine voyage to a distant planet. So I want to point out that this episode three, it really, really felt like classic Star Wars to me. It, it did. It's about the journey. You start seeing them going on the journeys, star travel, and the way that they are. It, it kind of throws you back to episode four where yep. going into Millennium Falcon and there's some training on there. Yep. There's a little bit of dialogue about what's going on. And you see some of the other aspects not on the ship of what's going on in the background as well. Like you said with Hera. Yes, absolutely. And I mean, not only that, we get gunfights. Yes. We get training homages. We get, um, do we get full up lightsaber battles on in episode three? Uh, or was that the next episode? That's the next episode. Next episode. It's a full up lightsaber battle. Yeah. So, I mean, Classic Star Wars feel all the way around. Mm-hmm. So uh, we also see the homage with the uh, blind training, nodding back to A New Hope. Yep. And Ahsoka drawing on the teachings of Yoda when she talks about the dangers of frustration and anger. Yes. Which was kind of cool for me to 
to see that other little small homages that they're Dave Filoni and his crew and directors and writers are throwing in for us to kind of bring all these different movies, TV shows all together in this one eight episode bundle of joy that we're getting. One of the things that I wanted to key in on was the, uh, uh, while they were training Sabine, uh, Ahsoka and uh, Huang, Hu Yang, they were um, the the strikes and the position she was going in was a nod to the uh, George Lucas's original theory on lightsaber combat, which you see in Episode Four. Uh, four, it's more Bushido type strikes. Yep, and that's very much Balin Skull's technique. Is those heavy? Bushido style strikes that he was doing. We'll get to episode four. We'll get to that in episode four, but they were having um, Sabine go through those forms. Yep. So next up I have, and this is probably one of my favorite quotes from Phantom Menace from Yoda to Anakin. And Ahsoka quotes it, I think, in this episode where fear is the path of the dark side. Fear leads to anger. Anger leads to hate, and hate leads to suffering. Yeah. Which I thought that was kind of the cool callback. And the Bokan Sabres are what those are called. They make their return into this episode. And we last saw those in both the Clone Wars and Rebels. Yes. So cool callbacks from those great shows. If y'all had a chance to watch them prior to... Watching us tonight, hopefully, or not. It's up to you. You can catch it later on Patreon. It's all good. I'm going to ask you to repeat that quote again here later. Oh, absolutely. I got it written down. My man. Always, man. (laughs) If I don't write shit down, I'm going to forget it, especially when it comes to stuff like this. That's why I have pages and notes. Heck yeah. Like This will literally be the, the start to the next episode for Monday. And I just like copy it, paste it, start it for episode five, which I, right. I got a feeling is going to be epic. It is going to be. It's All right. Good. Dude, if it's going to be in theaters, you know, Dave Filoni is going all fucking out for it. And he's directing the episode. So, you know, it's going to be astronomical. It, it'll, it'll be all right. So in this one, we have space battles that combine elements from the original and prequel trilogies. And it's probably the best dogfight we've ever gotten on a Disney Plus live action series. Yeah. It might be the only one I think we've gotten. Uh, no, uh, Din Djarin had one in one of the... Uh, You're right. When he lost a Razor Crest. Yep. Yep. But this one by far had those classic nods to the original and the trilogies. And I absolutely... I know a lot of people didn't care about it. If you already watched some of the other people's takes and breakdowns on it, a lot of people were just straight trashing it. Those people are fucking idiots. All right. (laughs) This was classic Star Wars. It is. And like of, of all things to trash on, you trashed on the classic star. One scene that we really got from that gave us classic Star Wars esque stuff. 
hey. people that are uh, we. I, I have to temper my when I read what other people say. By, I do too. Uh, by remembering that, you know, we've been fed and gifted with, you know, action, 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 action. No fucking plots. No nothing. Nothing that feels this way or gives this way. They don't care about that. All they want to see is, you know, nowadays is uh, blood, ass, and guts. Yep. And then and this one's taking its time to give us a story, to lay us out a plot. Oh, by the way, let's throw in some classic Star Wars throwbacks. Yes. I mean, it's like how many people watch The Walking Dead? And there would be hour-long episodes of nothing but character the development. Walking. And that shit would put me to sleep. But you know what? If I didn't watch that episode, I was completely lost two episodes later. Correct. And so, that's I mean... What- and that's what people are going to miss. Uh, one of the little nuances is when Sabine went back to the gunner position. Yep. And she was like, you erased all of my presets. Mm-hmm. And of course she said, well, I didn't need it. You know, which was a little bit of a dagger stick because she's yep. like, I have the force. I don't need it. And so yep. Sabine is having to, they're having to remember how to get into sync and work again. Which is cool. I mean, we, we've seen that throughout Star Wars with, you know, Jedi and their Padawans and especially heavily in Clone Wars and Rebels where we've seen that. So even with Obi-Wan and Anakin. Yes. We've seen that kind of stuff. So, I mean, the only difference here is, you know, Sabine doesn't have the force, whereas Anakin did in that. But that's neither here nor there. So, so next up, I got our first real glimpses glimpses of Jason Sindula, who is a human Twi'lek hybrid. And uh, we'll get to this later on when I do my character breakdown of the Twi'leks, but they're the only species that we know about that can breed with humans and possibly other alien species in the galaxy. I'm not sure. I didn't dig that far deep into it, but he finally pops up and it's pretty cool that we get to see, you know, cause we, it was mentioned in rebels that Jade or uh, Hera and Kanan were trying to have children and that they had had several failed attempts. Correct. So, so it's kind of cool that we now get him, but he also did say that he hopes to be like his dad someday, which yeah. is kind of like this real cool foreshadowing that we got in there. And that's always cool to get. And, and the, he's also wearing his dad's um, pauldron. Pauldron. Yes. Thank you. Which I thought was a cool callback as well. Well, one of the biggest callbacks for me was, uh, and I loved it and I hated it. But it was his name anyway. Jason being in the uh, EU, the extended universe. But that's Jason Solo, though. That's being Jason Solo. That, that's that's where that was my. Oh, next. Sorry. No, start. I love that because you you nailed it. You knew where you you read my mind and you where I was going next with it. Is oh, that yeah. that was a callback 
from the the non-canon legends continuity of Star Wars. He was the oldest son of um, Han and Leia. Yep. So that's kind of cool that, you know, even though the legends don't exist in the Disney Star Wars, but they're still pulling all these elements from that. So, but let's, Jason Solo was created by who? Um, I forget the author who created them. Timothy uh, Zahn. Zahn. Yeah. And what book was it in? Uh, let me see. When they were born. Uh, shoot, you you catch me off guard right here. Let's go look at the notes in front of my face. <laughs> what what book is this story based off of? Uh, what story or because I know that it's heirs Dude. of the empire. That's and it. That's when that's when they found out that she was pregnant and all that other stuff. Yep. I was trying to see which one they were actually born in yep. and actually named and so, all that stuff. Yep. It was uh, heir to the empire, which has been the key inspiration to Ahsoka, and that's where he comes from. And that's where he was created for by Timothy, which is cool. Shout out to Timothy, man. That dude delivered some bangers back in the day. And they they actually tapped into him for bringing um you know the heir to the empire to ahsoka and marrying them all together mm-hmm. and, and dave filoni has done and his team of writers have done an excellent job of bringing all these elements into this one story and it not be overbearing and it makes right. sense so also in episode three we see that Mon Mothra has succeeded in becoming Chancellor. Yes. Which is, you know, she's the leader of the New Republic. And so she's at this point from um, Andor, where she was a senator. She is now, you know, at, in the, we knew she had political ambitions further than being a senator. And now we see those have come to fruition and she is now chancellor of the new Republic. Yes. Which is kind of cool to see if you watched Andor, which had, by the way, had the biggest budget in star Wars history <laughs> for a TV series. It was, it's, it was, it was ridiculous, ridiculous. Like the catering budget alone was bigger than some TV shows, but it was fucking worth every dime. Cause that is it a great was. show. It was. And I, <clears throat> that was one of those shows that, Especially what you know it led to. It made the... What what movie was that? Um, Uh, Rogue One. Rogue One. This makes so much sense. Like, if you watched Andor, then watched Rogue One. And if you didn't cry, you're not a fucking human being. (laughs) If you didn't let at least a single tear. Because that movie in that TV show was done wonderfully. And Cassie and Andor, God rest his soul... He was a real one. He was a real he was one. a real one. They I mean, brought, he was a original fulcrum at that. The, yeah, they brought a, a lot of elements to. When I first ro- uh, watched Rogue One, I I didn't care too much about Cassian Andor. I Nobody did. I like nobody. 
And when, you know, old girl died, of course, the whole naming conventions and all that stuff. Okay, we can get into that another time. That's just Gibbism. But I loved Rogue One itself as a whole movie. It was great. It was outstanding. Mm -hmm. It makes a lot of stuff in the trilogies make sense. Watching Andor, the series, I said, okay. And it was a series that I really... I didn't care for it when I when I first started watching it. I was just like, "This is." And then I looked, and I was I was talking to you actually. Yeah, I was like, "Dude, this is kind of." And you're like, "Dude, get into it. And it's yes. going to make a lot of sense because then next year you're going to watch Rogue One, and all the pieces are going to fall together fall for you." And that's together. exactly what happened. And I hated, I hated that I loved it so much because I was like, <laughs> when they they announced, yes. and they were like, "We're going to have Ender season two. Of course, I was still pissed about Book of Boba Fett, but I was like, why? This is a character who's going to die. I don't care for. We have no need. Oh, Yeah, but that season two can give us a little bit more details and some of the other stuff coming up. Of the things that were happening in the background of the rebellion, we did not see the little intricacies of everything that was adding up. And, and think about I, all I mean, the holes in the plot holes from the from the 70s trilogies. Yeah. I mean, they have this great opportunity to fill in all those plot holes and all those holes in the story that we, we doesn't make sense. I mean, Clone Wars did it. Clone Wars made um where he was like, You fought in the Clone Wars? <laughs> he fucking started the Clone Wars, dude. <laughs> Basically, <laughs> Obi Wan. <laughs> I love that guy. Uh, it's, it, so, in their we, defense, hold on. In their defense, when Episode Four, Five, and Six came out, they weren't a lot of the Clone Wars was just a concept, and it was something that happened. They were it was not too fleshed out. And then when episodes one, two, and three came out, you're like, why does not Obi-Wan know all this stuff? Why isn't he saying all this? Well, because it was made beforehand. Yep. Okay. So, yeah. So, I mean, at this time, we're seeing Ahsoka and Sabine. They're traveling. And yep. Hera is doing her political thing as a general in the, for the New Republic. And there, she's talking to the senators, the powers to be, trying to... Tell them, like, hey, if we don't thwart this now, another war is coming. And we yep. get Senator um, Zino. Yeah, he's a D-bag. Yeah, he's a complete D-bag. It, it makes sense when I get into it. But he's a politician who's at odds with Hera about to, what to do with Grand Admiral Thrawn's possible return. And, and you know, this leads us to... You know, like, hey, we're destined at this point to to commit the same mistakes as the old right. republic. And so, why my thinking of this is is this senator is a cohort, a cohort for what we're what's going to come later. Yes, that's my thinking right now. Also, I want to point out that he is the father of Kazuda. Zano, the main characters in Star Wars Resistance animated series, gotcha. which was a cool little thing. Which, which I mean, if you remember that, he's like, "Oh, I'm not a Sith. I just enjoy killing them." Yes, like that was yep. like like one of the coldest lines in that entire <laughs> series. Like that shit was cold. 
<laughs> he was a bad dude. He was a bad. He, he dude. was bad. Like I was like, this dude murking motherfuckers out here. The fact that this is his father lets you know where his. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. And so we also see. This is popping back up a little bit. We see Sabine training in a technique that Ahsoka uses to train Sabine called Zatochi. And this is cool. This is a reference to a blind swordsman named Zatoichi. Zatoichi. Who is, who is created by Japanese novelist Kan Shimozawa. I'm completely butchering these poor people's names, <laughs> and I'm so sorry about that. But like Z Zatiochi, Ahsoka herself is a drifter and a master of the blade who helps those in need wherever she may roam. See what I did there? I do. I got you. Little Metallica reference? There Come on, go. man. I love it. I love oh. it. I love it. <laughs> They're on tour, by the way. And so, and what, this is kind of cool in that this is a, a, a Toichi. He's a big influence in Lucas, in George Lucas's concept of Jedi Knights. Yep. And was paid, he has paid tribute to these guys. He also Rogue One, Donnie Yen's character, Chiru Imwe, is a blind warrior. He is a blind who I thought warrior. he might be force sensitive, but he really no. wasn't. He was just a lucky SOB. He wasn't see that there's a concept here, okay, that they talk about, and it goes into uh, uh the whole the forces within everyone. And last last uh episode podcast that we did i had my uh i am one with the force and the force is one with me sure and that's what he was saying and everyone keeps saying the force is in everything obi-wan said it in the first you know episode four ahsoka said it they've talked about it and people kind of theorize that's supposed to mean that sabine can be force sensitive no, it's just saying that the it force... was set often in uh, rebels and also Clone Wars as well yeah. by different entities spread throughout there, and and it's basically to let people know that the force is supposed to be established a part of all life. Not that everyone can use it, but the force uses everyone that's out there. And uh, uh, uh Iru, uh he actually specified that he says the force mm -hmm. uses me. I, I'm not. I don't use the force. Yep. I'm not force sensitive. I'm not connected. And you could see it by some of the things that have happened. You know, blasters going awry, all of that. Yeah, I mean, he got blasters. I mean, he he was legit. If y'all have not seen Rogue One, I highly oh, encourage yeah. it. Go watch Rogue One, even if you just watch it for this one character, because the ending is very devastating. But yeah. go watch that. It, it honestly, it'll clear up some questions you may have to yourself, and you'll see what we're talking about because this character is phenomenal. Donnie Yen did yeah. such an amazing job with this character. It, I, I can't say enough good things about his character in it. Like Donnie Yen nailed that fucking part. Yes, he did. Like if they try to bring him back, I'd be like, no. Unless it's Donnie Yen, don't touch it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, they, you you're right about that. Because I mean, he 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 put everything he had into it. You could tell that's. I've seen a lot of Donnie Yen's movies, and th that one that character to me is is the character. Yeah, yeah, he's one of those that embodies that character. 
Yes. It was written. It, it's like now that I've seen Hayden as young Anakin and also now seen him play Darth Vader finally as a redemption in Obi-Wan. Mm-hmm. Like that dude is, he's it, man. And, you know, nothing against, um, what's his name? Who did the voice originally? Uh, um, you talking about for the Clone Wars? No, no, no. For the original. The original movies. Oh, you um, you talking about. Uh, I can oh, see his God. face. James Earl Jones. James Earl Jones. Thank you. Fuck. <laughs> you know, and then I, I can't remember who played the man in the suit at all. Because that was but, David. Um, yeah. David Morse. David. Yep. So, I mean, like to me, Hayden bodied Vader in Anakin. Like that's him. Yeah. Like nothing against the originals. I love them to death. But that Anakin got his and Hayden got his coming, come up and getting to play actual Vader in the suit. And to me now that's that's Vader. Nothing can change it. Oh, yeah. David so, Krause, not Morse. Yeah, that's it. He, I know he's got some other acting chops underneath him too, similar yeah. to that. So, but we also seen another callback with um, Ahsoka in the spacesuit and the Evo suits. Yes, which are really cool. These were designed specifically for the Ahsoka series, and uh, this, like I said, it's very similar to the orange one that she did the same thing in. In Clone Wars. Yep. So that's cool. And that orange suit from Clone Wars was a nod to the space suit in Doctor Who. Which is a cool oh, little fun fact. I didn't pick that one up. Yep. I, I found it through Google and then I went back and I pulled up the what they were talking about on Doctor Who and I was like, oh damn, I do remember seeing that. Cool. I, gotta, I, I gotta check that one because I, I am a small, not a big I'm with you. But, um, I'm, yep. a, I'm a Whovian. I'm, I'm with you. I pick up what you're putting down. <laughs> so here, here's my favorite part of this episode. I'm not going to bullshit nobody. Okay. Purgles. Purgles made their live action debut. <laughs> and it was fucking beautiful in that fight, in the dog fight. And then they're coming through those clouds, and all of a sudden it's like, boom. Fucking gigantic space well octopus. Purgles. Purgles. Make their, you know, their debut. But what are Purgles? Purgles are well squid creatures that can travel through space at light speed. And they travel to distant star systems and galaxies. And these are the main reason Ezra and Thrawn are both missing right now, because... Ezra at the end of Rebels used Purgles after he he saved the entire Rebel crew. Right. Zeb, Chopper, Hera, Sabine. He saves everybody. The whole planet of Lethal by using Purgles, which he had a force connection with, which was cool. Like Ezra that was was really cool. Ezra is really high speed in making force connections with creatures. The Lethal cats, the Lethal wolves. Yep. And then the Purgles later on, which was probably one of my favorite episodes from Rebels when he 
gets that connection. Like he figures out like if I'm cool and I'm chill, then I can communicate through the force with these creatures. Yeah. And to me, I was like, damn, this dude's figuring it out. You know, Ezra has got it down. And that's when I knew he was going to be a force to reckon with later on. Right. So that was pretty cool. And getting to see those in live action. And they did it justice. Those are they massive, did. massive creatures. And watching them like fly in them and out of them, I was just like, that that's fucking, that's cool. Now, I'm going to ask this question. What else, where else did you kind of hint see Purgles? The Mandalorian season two, I think it was. You see them in the distance in some clouds. Movie. Oh, movie. It wasn't Solo, was it? It was Solo. That's what I thought. When they were going through the... Um, they were making the Kessel Run. They were Kessel Run in the 12 parsecs. Yep. Heard you made the Kessel Run in 14 parsecs. <laughs> it was 12. 12. <laughs> I was there. I love that. <laughs> But okay, that was just a little add in. No, no, I do. Yep. Even though Solo, that movie wasn't great. I'm going to put it out there. What? Stop was... it. Stop it. I watched it start issue. to finish. I had issues with it. One, they changed his whole backstory. Yes. You know, Solo wasn't just, oh, Solo. It, it was a family. You know, it was a family thing, right? His Solo was his actual last name. Uh, true, he did save Chewie, but not in that way. Nope. And some of the other things that they had, I did there not. There were some care. nuances they changed that I didn't care for, and that's why I say it was just me. But it it was a good, solid movie. The reason why it, it died the death that it did is because of backlash from episode eight. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. I mean, I won't, I won't say garbage. would I watch it again? Absolutely. Just because I'm that diehard of a fan. Mm-hmm. And I, I there were some elements in there that I didn't care for. But some elements in there that I absolutely loved. Okay. So, I mean, it's just like any other Star Wars, you know? They You're always going to get something that's kind of like, meh. But then overall. see into live film. Yes. Which and we got the, um, we got young um, Lando. Yep. Which I absolutely love. I can't wait for that series to come out. Or is he is it a series or a movie he's getting? Uh they've talked about both. I, I, I know the Glover story. brothers are writing it. Yeah. Dave Felonio is like, hey, I love you in the character. You know the character. Make me a TV series. Yes. And the Glover brothers are like, say no more, fam. We got you. So I can't wait for that. That's gonna be, I think, a good one to add to it to get that background on get his real story out there. I'll put it like that. Cause we know what he is. He's a smuggler, but yes, he is. give us the good stuff. So also when we see Harris basically say F you to the Senate. Yep. And we see her walk off to the ghost with Jason and chopper. Get into the ghost and go. We out. We and then out. you see the uh, the four X-wing fighters, Fly which are there. the what squadron? 
it's not uh, probably the most famous at swing squadron of all. Okay, we go differ on that. Now, there's uh, you're probably talking about Red Squadron. Nope, not uh, Red. Okay, so for me, the most famous one is Rogue Squadron in itself. Well, this is uh, the Blue Squadron, is uh-huh. what we get here, who flew us alongside Hera's New Republic fleet. And they first appeared in Return of the Jedi at the Battle of Endor. Correct. So that is what I'm referring to. Okay, so if you remember Red Squadron, uh, Red Squadron was in um, uh, A New Hope. New Hope. Because Luke joins Red Squadron. It was Rogue One. And the remnants, uh, most of the remnants of Red Squadron goes on to form Rogue Squadron. Yep. Which to me, that's why I say to me, Rogue Squadron is the biggest, the baddest. No, no, and you're absolutely right because we do see them in Rebels. We see them in uh, Rogue One, a Star Wars story. And But between red and blue, blue for some reason, within the Star Wars universe. The Disney canon. Because Dis- Disney canon. Because if you go to EU, it is definitely Rogue Squadron. It is, yes, you're is absolutely right. One. Sorry, sorry about that. No, no, no. Dude, this is what this is about, man. Us being nerds. Books, even in between um in between uh A New Hope and Return of the Jedi in the EU, the comics and the and some of the books and stuff, we get into Luke actually flying with Rogue Squadron. Mm-hmm. And so they set it back into after um well, his sunken X-wing fighter in uh, the last movie that he pulls out of the swamp again uh-huh. is is one of the Rebel X-wings. That's his Red yes. Five. Yes, that's his Red Five one. Uh, that he flew to Dagobah. That he did yep. all that stuff with. That is it. And yep. so it's it's one of those things that that one came out, and even through in the EU now. Even through after Return of the Jedi and everything that was going on, Rogue Squadron was still there. Now, you still had Gold Squadron and Blue Squadron. Mm-hmm. Well, Gold Squadron was pretty much like taken it, completely it out. They decimated. were destroyed. Yes. Decimated. But uh, if you, uh, in um, in the New Hope, there was a Gold Squadron. Yes. So, yeah. But by the, I think by the time of re- end of Return of the Jedi, they did say that. It was it was basically eh. very few people. So I have this other one more note on on this one. One more Easter egg, if you will. Okay. So we have a hammerhead Corvette, which is a Smyrna class um, jet. It's non-canon video game from Knights of the Old Republic. And design was brought back in Rebels, but it's more famous from the days of Reven, Dark Malik, and during the Jedi Civil War. Yep. That was in reference to that. So it's kind of cool that they're bringing back these these little elements and callbacks from the novels and video games and, and that kind of stuff. That's the last little tidbit Easter egg I had on Episode 3. 
what you got left for episode three? Because, uh, I mean, we really didn't do a lot of story. We covered a lot of Easter eggs. Let's, you know. let's go into the lightsaber training. Okay. You see, Huling actually has um, uh, General Grievous like forearms. Well, yeah. Well, he's an engineer, so he's an and engineer he's, and droid. And or architect droid. Right. And he's wielding those four training lightsabers, which the blades are thicker, mm -hmm. but are muted so they don't cause, you know, more damage and all yeah. that stuff. So when you're seeing that, and a little bit later, when uh, Ahsoka is talking with uh, Sabine at the table, right? So if you notice in the background, there's actually a set of lightsabers behind Ahsoka. Mm -hmm. And um, I, I yeah, did some, we did talk about that. I yeah, forgot about I, that. I did some digging, and I was deep diving on that. And it was... Did you find uh, it? Here, here's what they say. There's no definitive. They don't match up with anybody's name or match any designs for actual Jedi. But the premise and theory is, is that the the ones on the top that you see, those are Hawangs for mm -hmm. training. And that the rest of them, there's two theories. Either because Huang is a architect and that's what he does is mm -hmm. build lightsabers. Those are lightsabers that he's built or those are lightsabers from fallen Jedi that Ahsoka has recovered. Well, we did see her in what was it? It was it was it was it in Mandalorian where we see her bury lightsabers in the desert on Tatooine? Was that Ahsoka? Uh, you know what? I think I'm thinking of. Um, You're thinking of Ray, episode nine. Yeah, that might be what I'm thinking of, because I know at one point, um, Ahsoka did bury hers. Mm -hmm. But I think she that was buried in... something. I'm not sure where where yeah. it was, but she did bury some, and I think it was on Tatooine, and yeah. I think that was a call back in episode nine to that happening or something or yeah another. i think that might be what it is but it, we we do know that there are more jedi or ex-jedi that are out there yep that ran from order 66 and it could be during the time between the end of rebels and now or even before the you know rebels until now she's come across some of these jedi that were killed or mm -hmm. you know, recovered their their lightsabers. Yep. You no, know, so that's that's where that is, and, and that's cool. I mean, I mean, it's not cool that there's fallen Jedi out there, but it's cool that she's finding a way to honor honor them and to bring them with her. Yeah. So that was a that was a big one that uh, that I that I keyed on, and the the whole conversation between her. And Sabine, you know, a lot of people are saying, oh, that was, you remember she was, she made it kind of casual with force pulling the cup uh -huh. to her. And people are saying, oh, that's trying to show that Sabine can. And she's intimating that you can learn how to do this if you try. Yeah. What I think that that's doing is it's giving Sabine something to concentrate on. But I think they both both know she's yeah 
you know, they keep they keep talking about, you know. I mean, when you being, think about it, there's only been less than a handful of actual Mandalorian Force users. Yes, and most of those were actually quite powerful and strong in the Force. Yep. So, and to me, that's one of those where you're either born with it or you're not. I don't you're really think aptitude. you. Yeah. Your midi chlorian count is high enough. Yes. If you want to go off of what Qui Gon Jin taught us. Oh my God. Fucking Qui Gon, man. Yeah, one of the. Uh, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm let's mad not, let's I not jump into that. So. <laughs> Here's what if we got nothing else for episode three, I encourage everybody to, to continue watching. Yes. Yeah. It is a good series. It was a great episode. It gave us a lot of surprises. And you could tell that I'm not really digging a whole lot and doing a whole lot of the breakdown. I'm kind of giving you little Easter eggs of things that to look out for when you go and either watch it for the first time or rewatch it. Because if you're like me, you're gonna rewatch this several more times until we get some new Star Wars out there after this. Yep. And which I think the next thing on the bill is Skeleton Crew, which I'm really excited for. Which they're building up within all of these series. They're building that Skeleton Crew up. Yep. And we got Jude Law Helm in it, which I never thought I'd be a kind of like Jude Law. But from the, the teaser trailer, it's about a, I guess it's 20 25 second teaser of Jude Law in it. I'm just like, okay, I see you, Jude Law. All right, okay, I can deal with this. So we'll see. So before we jump into episode four, which is straight fire, <laughs> it's time for my favorite segment, which is brought to you by none other than USDN's very own. Jen of the Queens of Nerdum, who, who brought this idea to the table, and I loved it, and I jumped on it. Let's play Name That Alien Species. And our next one up is our one of our main characters. We're going Harrison Dula. And Harrison Dula is a Twi'lek, sometimes referred to as a derogatory of uh, Tellheads are twice, yep. and they're occasionally referred to as Rathians. Rylothians. Spit it out. There we go. Which is the country, the, the planet they're from. So Twi'lets are tall, near-human species whose most striking feature was a pair of long appendages protruding from their skulls called Laku. They originate from Ryloth, hence Rylothians, in the Outer Rim territories, and females are often exported off-world as slaves. If you've ever been to Hut's Place, or seen Hut's Place, all the half-naked alien girls, Twilets. He had a lecherous affair and love for Twilets. He did. A dirty old Hut. <laughs> so they are one of the most common species found within the Star Wars galaxy and often or not they were often used as uh, undercover agents because a Twi'lek is a Twi'lek is a Twi'lek because they are so abundant nobody would think twice 
about seeing a Twi'lek somewhere. Correct. It's, that's just because they are so such a common species, unlike the Tortuga. So we'll keep going with this because I really like this. So Twi'lek skin color can vary from a multitude of colorations from white, orange, yellow, green, pink, blue, purple, black, gray, and red. So, I mean, we got a multitude of rainbows out there of Twi'leks. And their most distinctive feature, of course, is their Laku, which are also prehensile. And some Twi'leks can have two to four Laku, and they are sensitive, and some could even hold items with their Laku, which is really cool. (laughs) So, some other well-known Twi'leks, we got Cham Sindula. Or Cham Sindula, however you pronounce his name, who is um, Hera's father and also a resistance leader. We see a really great episode in Rebels where it goes back to Hera's youth and her father and her uncle. And also is the, one of the best introductions of Chopper. Like, you really find out what Chopper was all about. Chopper, that murderous, that psycho. That murderous little psychopath. <laughs> We'll, we'll touch on that because that dude has a babysitter. God damn. I don't know if I can do that. But anyways, and then we got Bib Fortuna who served mm-hmm. as Jabba the Hutt's major domo. Yep. And we got Isla, Isla Sakura. If, huh? Isla Sakura. Yes. And Finn Erte, who were both Jedi generals during the Clone Wars, I believe. And we got Senator Ornfree Ta, who I think was a corrupt senator during the Old Republic. Yep. And some cool facts. Other than the obvious that they can breed with humans. Hence why we have a, a Jason Sindula. Um, they have their own language called Twi'leki, which is uh, verbal sounds and a type of sign language that they can do with their Laku. Mm-hmm which is really cool to read and learn about. So there we have it. Harrison Dula, the Twi'lek. That was part of what made them effective as spies too, because if they're sitting there, they can be communicating with other Twi'leks or those who Mm -hmm. understood the Laku movements and they can give out signals while they're, you know, just talking in regular conversation. I mean, it's cool as hell. I'm surprised we haven't seen a Twi'lek for the Resistance and Rebels or something like that. Hera? Well, I mean Hera, but I'm talking about from a spy, like a full-up fulcrum agent. You know what I'm saying? Uh, Maybe we'll see one in uh, Andor Season 2. Possibly. That would be kind of cool. And, uh, God, I hate... Was there one in Hutt's Place? TV show. Uh, you mean a spy? Yeah. They, they, it was surmised that at least one of the dancing girls that he had mm-hmm. was a was a spy for uh, other other organizations or That's other. What I, yeah, that might be what I had read and was thinking. But um, I hate referencing this series. I want it to die as a series. Book of Boba Fett. Oh, bro. There was a Twilight. There, who ran the um, the, the club? 
Yep. One of the, the That's right. Bars and establishments. Yep. Before it got blown up. Correct. I forgot about that. And honestly, Boba Fett could have been a lot better. I felt like they just rushed it and don't got you, through it. Don't you start me. I'm don't not going to start you, man. Started. This is what we're going to do. This is what we're going to do. We're going to roll straight into part four called <laughs> Fallen Jedi. Yes. And the premises of this one was Hera risked her career to help her friends while Ahsoka and Sabine confront enemies. Dude. This episode, straight fucking fire. Start it, and finish. It rocked. Who directed this episode? Peter Ramsey. What else did Peter Ramsey? Uh, Into the Spider-Verse. Booyah. And a couple of other things that he was uh, uh, attached to and part of. Uh, my notes here closed, but hold on one second. I would open up a different Google page, but every time I do, it messes up the stream and but as, as the director, uh, Rise of the Guardians, uh, the Mand- uh, uh, the Mandalorian sees uh, Chapter Twenty One, the Pirate. He did that. That was a good episode. Yeah, uh, Tank Girl. Back in the day, he was Dude. unit director. Dude, I love yeah. that movie. And Classic. also, like post-apocalyptic Earth. Also for. Poetic Justice, Higher Learning, and the 1998 Godzilla. Dude, that was a classic. And here, this is how intricate he's been with a lot of high-name, high-vis movies. I'm only going to give you a few here, but as a storyboard artist, which means he he takes the script and he prints it out to where it wants to look for the direction. But um, you've got Mortal Kombat, the original. the original, yep. Independence Day, the original. Uh, Fight Club. Oh, dude! How the Grinch Stole Christmas, dude. Bangers. Artificial intelligence, bangers. AI, which was a, a phenomenal movie. Yes. Yep. And then you know what he does? I want to does say fucking bangers because it was just crazy as hell. He does bangers after bangers after yep. bangers. If I may quote Seamus. From the WWE universe. <laughs> so the guy who's directing this episode, yes, it was written by, you know, Felonius. But uh, yes, say it, man. <laughs> it was written by Felonius, but it was directed by Peter Ramsey. Now have a drink, get the taste out your mouth. Ah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I, I, I love this episode. They stuck to that classic Star Wars feeling. We had gun battles. We had droid fights, which is the first time we've gotten something like that that I can think of off the top of my head. Outside of Chopper's little murderous ass. (laughs) We had um, saber battles. Fantastic, fantastic battles. I mean, this was like one of those, you know, pick your pants up, put your big boy pants on. We do a show. Yes. And I loved every fucking minute of it. It it was amazing. So. so, Oh, yeah. Hu Yang throw down with the assassin droid. Granted, the assassin droid did get the best of him in this. 
but I got a feeling it's one of those where, given different circumstances, who Yang might have been, if he'd have been a little bit more prepared, might have took in this guy. Maybe. Um, the fact that he, he survived and he lasted against the, an assassin droid is pretty good. I, I, I'm not sure whether or not uh, a lot of people understand how effective as these HK assassin droids were. Oh, they're very. They were very effective. They were high-level, you know, killers. And the fact that, you know, he held his own until help came, you know. Found it this weekend at HK87, dude. Oh, snap. In a minty box. There we go. I was pretty excited to find that one. And I also found a, uh, a Cal Kestis as well. Booyah, yes. minty in a box. So I'm always excited when I can find some some collectibles in a minty box. <laughs> and that HK is one of those where I found it about three or four times before, but the bots had always been kind of smashed. Yeah. Normally, I'd be like, hey, will you give me a discount because the box is smashed? And a lot of places would be like, yeah, sure. But every other place I've been to, when I would find a smash box, we'd be like, Nah, man. Well, I can't do that. I'll get in trouble. So whatever. I waited to... Um, we just so happened to pop into... What's it called? GameStop. Okay. I used my monthly GameStop bonus points and picked up a bunch of shit. So, so it was all good. Kills you. So we're finally in that episode where we see Harris and Dula go rogue. Says, fuck the police. I'm out. And hopping in the ghost. With her son in that murderous SOB chopper. I want to take a moment. <laughs> for real. <laughs> chopper has a body count somewhere in the 40k range. Supposedly. Yeah, because of the collateral damage that he does. Chopper yeah. has no cure for human soul, alien soul. He Why doesn't. have you? Chopper is a raging psychopath. Let's bring this airship down on the shipyard. I don't care who dies. He is literally, literally, we've seen him in Rebels blow entire shipyards to shit. Yeah. And with with them barely escaping, and I'm going, Chopper, what'd you set the timer for? <laughs> like, he just don't care. He's like, he I'll doesn't. survive. I don't care. He doesn't. He's <clears throat> Chopper has that he shows uh, a droid being He's the exact droid. opposite of R2-D2 and C-3PO, whereas they have mm-hmm. a, a penchant for human life. I'm going to stop you right there. R2 does not give five fucks. Okay, yeah. C-3PO does. R2 is like, what's is best a, for the mission? R2 is a battle. He is an astromech battle droid. He's not a hand-to-hand battle but he is a fighter battle droid. They handicapped him after um, Return of the Sith. They took out his jet propulsions and some of the other stuff. But if you notice, a lot of times when they're talking, C-3PO is saying, you can't say that or stop doing this. And R2 basically saying, you know, fuck them. Fuck you. Let's let's get the mission done. Yes. R2. And and you you did see him start. When he got reactivated, 
Yep. He went right back to, like, the way he was, basically. Yes. Like, he didn't pick up, like, oh, I'm the nice R2-D2. He went back to that, hey, I'm here to do this, and I'm going to fuck shit up, basically. Yep. And I can't wait. And watching him in, I want to see him in Chopper mix it up eventually, hopefully someday. Because we I, got I to see BB-8 and R2-D2 do it. I don't want to see them mix it up. I like to see them around each other. That, that's what I mean. In like in battle, like those two would just be wild. They, it would and C3PO be. just freaking the fuck out. Yeah, and both. What of are them, you doing? Tell them, calm your calm your ass down. I think hey. a, a one up man. What brand? Oh, uh, Brian. Those figures are the the black label from Hasbro the Star Wars Black Series. These, to me, are between these and the Hasbro... Is it Hasbro? Oh, no. The Kenner. The Kenner Legends Series. Like, this yeah. 1970s throwback. Which I'm about to show you the definitive. This is, like, no shit before I show it to you. This, is to me, is a grail of Darth Vader because it is the most lifelike from the original trilogy but these are the kenner which is also from hasbro throwback 1970s star wars figures but this is the definitive yeah darth vader with the helmet the sabers the hand comes off i mean this is it this is the money darth vader right here there we go that's nice that's and it's not. probably one of my favorite fids that I've managed to pick up. And I got a bunch, trust me. And that's probably one of my <laughs> my favorites because I do love those 70 throwback that they just started coming out with. And I like it because it's the modern figures, but done the way in the 70s. Oh, yeah. Yep. So, Brian, you can get the black label stuff and also the Kenner stuff at um, at GameStop. You can. Um, I also find them not the black label, but the Kenner at the BS on occasions for half the price. They're like twenty four bucks at Target, Walmart, where uh, the other places. But if you find them on base, you get them for half the price. And no taxes. So that's the money on the Kenners. But on the big Hasbro Black Series, no, nah, you're still paying 24, 25 bucks per. <laughs> that's why I, I do it once a month. If I do it when I have my, when GameStop says, boom, here's your $5 or $10 bonus cash and bonus points, like, here you go. So I'll hit them up then. So appreciate you stopping by, Brian. Heck yeah. We always appreciate the audience talking to us and interacting with us. Here's to Brian. Woo -woo. Brian, appreciate you, man. So, where are we at here? Ah, probably one of my favorite Easter eggs. You blink and you miss it. You have to pause it just right. On the dash of the ghost. When Hera gets ready, when her and Jason run in, if you catch it just right, there's a picture of Kanan on yeah. the dash, yeah. which I thought was really cool. Yep. Uh, Brian, you in uh, VA? 
viewing V8, man, hit me up. So that I thought that was probably one of my my favorite moments. And like I said, I didn't catch it. Like I can't pause it that fast to be able to, uh, <laughs> to catch those Easter eggs like that. So I actually somebody freeze framed it and caught it. So I seen that. Okay, up in Fredericksburg, cool. That's I'm down cool. here with Willie. So we see where am I at? Ah, right there. Sabine is mentioning that Thrawn is coming back as the heir to the Empire, which is taken directly from the Legends books by right. Timothy Zane, 1991. And I keep thinking that's really cool that every episode they, they are throwing those nods out there to uh, Timothy Zane's work. Which the man deserves it. He's wrote a lot of stuff and done a lot of good stuff within the... Um, the, the Star Wars world, the EU. Yeah. So, as like I said, we've seen Hera basically do what Hera does. She had the infamous line of once again, once a rebel, always a rebel. Yeah. As she skirted out and takes to the skies, joined by the Blue Squadron that we mentioned earlier when we were doing our characters for this episode. <laughs> uh, which is cool because, you know, it's the New Republic's iconic X-Wings. Led by Carson Tiva, who I think at this point is, um, he's got to be up there, man, of, in, as far as rank goes. I, I think he is. They they kind of mentioned that in uh, the last season of Mandalorian. Yeah, because he had just, he was a fresh promote at the end of it when they're at the bar, if I ain't mistaken. Yep. And uh, uh, I think the Mandalorian made something of a gesture about him just being freshly promoted. Yeah. So and that that goes into it, especially when they're trying. To, he's seeing all the in the Mandalorian. He's seeing all the pirate activity. Mm -hmm. He knows that the Republic is too spread out, and they're not paying attention to the things they need to, and they're not getting the resources. And it's pretty cool because I thought in the Mandalorian, like he the Mando, Pedro Pascal's character, Dinjarin, Dinjarin was kind of giving him little little nuggets that he was seeing. Yep. And and to let him basically just like, hey dude, yeah, I'm breaking the rules, but hey, here's some juicy tidbits, man. Just let me yeah. skirt by. And I always thought that was kind of cool that that you see that relationship. So I got another call back to the Phoenix Squadron that flew along flew with the crew of the ghost and Star Wars Rebels. And as they depart home when uh, Carson says Phoenix leader yep. to Hera. Yep. And we're talking some serious Star Wars heritage in history by him saying that. And it's pretty cool to, to see that whenever we heard Phoenix leader, they're talking about Hera. Yes. And, and, and it literally didn't dawn on me until I was writing this episode. I'm like, damn, I've heard, I've heard that a lot throughout the series. And it never really occurred to me until just now when Carson said, his character said, like, we're ready when, you know, we're with you, Phoenix leader. Yeah. It didn't really dawn on me that, oh, fuck. It's like the whole fulcrum thing, which is the callback from um, Andor, that fulcrum is, I mean, was created by Ahsoka. Yep. So that was kind of cool. 
So, I mean, we see Hera and the Etzwings as they approach the Eye of Scion. And, you know, actually, let me back up. Because we get the battle in there, in the woods. Right. Um, we see uh, Sabine finally kind of stand her own with her own little way against um, Shin. Shin. Shin Haiti, Haiti, which I thought was kind of cool. She did it in her own way, not the Force, but the Mandalorian way. Yes. Which is what she should do. Yes. She's not Force-sensitive. She doesn't have the Force, but she's a great Mandalorian. She's literally Mandalorian royalty. Her yeah. parents were the, the ruling party of Mandalore for a long time. So, and then, you know, it, so she, I think she was a princess. So, technically, she's a Disney princess. No, 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 no. no. I thought she was a princess on no, Mandalore. No, 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 we ain't going there. They don't have kings and kings. They don't have kings and queens. That's right. They have like, ruling families. They have the ruling families. They have That's families right. that are... The leaders and all that other stuff. Nope. Get that shit. Right, nope, you got here. me. You got I me. Swear, I swear to God, now we're going to go to the USDN on Facebook and everybody's going to be like, oh, Sabine's Disney princess. Yo, nah, they wouldn't do that over there. Yes, they, they would. Are you typing it? <laughs> no, no. I was, I was adjusting my mouse. That way I don't accidentally fucking close this out because Listen, I've done that they before. They they refuse to say that um, Princess Leia is a Disney princess because she's not. She's a Star Wars princess. Leia is a motherfucking general. Let's just leave it at that. Excuse me, princess. General Leia to you, buddy. <laughs> Whatever. Whatever. But yeah, she's a princess. No shit. <laughs> but um, so... We, we get a lot of good action. We finally see the showdown we've been waiting for between Shin again, Sabine. Sabine kind of gets the edge with some Mandalorian tricks. And then we see Her um, Ahsoka Merc. Merc. Maroc. Yes. Which was yes. kind of cool. I mean, this is probably like everybody's kind of been waiting. Like, who the fuck is this guy? Who the fuck is this guy? And we finally figure out who the hell he is. And it's not at all what anybody expected. It's not who he is, it's what he is. It's a what. And what he is, is a knight brother who was resurrected by the knight sisters and basically put into a inquisitor outfit. Type outfit, yes. Yep. And given a lightsaber, similar to what they did with Savage in the Clone Wars. So what they what they another thing that I read about that was that he it could have been an actual Knight Brother, but it also could have been an Inquisitor that she mm -hmm. resurrected. Yeah, because they can, it doesn't necessarily have to be like somebody from their planet, because obviously their planet was wrecked by General Grievous. Yeah, and they all fled. So I mean, it could have just been a a body that she resurrected, you know, I, I think the body had to be present in order for them to be resurrected. Yeah. If I remember correctly from the clone wars. 
So, so that was cool. Yeah. And when you, you see, see that green, green dust. dust pop out of his body, and I was just like, yes! He's a freaking... Like, damn it! It's not what, what I wanted, but damn it, it's still kind of cool, because it solidifies Morgan as a night sister. As and a it needed badass night sister. And it needed that, because only a true like high ranking night sister to do that magic. Yes. That kind of dark magic. Yes. And I I, I, I that to me was money. Yes. So she needed that, the series needed that. It it solidified her into actually why she is a badass. Yes. So and then we also see um Ahsoka come face to face with Balin. Before we go in there, there was that scene we we you talked about the battle between uh, Shin and Sabine. Yes, and there was that one point in time where they're fighting and Sabine, and it's at the end of their fight, and Sabine has, like you said, held her own, and she kind of gets a little stuff, and then uh, she does this, and Shin reacts because she thinks she's about to get force pushed. Yeah, force punch or whatever, and then she goes. Then she realizes it. Yep, <laughs> and then she, she lays the boom into her. Yep, <laughs> pop the shots off. That's yeah. why you don't be trusting no Mandalorian, man. Oh yeah. So yeah, and then we see. I'm trying to think. So Sabine comes in after as ah- Ahsoka has battled Balin. If my memory serves correctly. Yes. Which that whole walk up and scene of Ahsoka walking up to Balin and he's just sitting there patiently waiting. He is. He is legit. Yes. I mean, the the dude, like, you can tell, like, he's, What's the word I'm looking for? Not patient, but you could tell his training has served him well throughout the he years. Controlled. The control he has over himself, his emotions. He has none. The dude is stone cold. And it's fantastic. In this battle, let me tell you. I don't know. It, we didn't really see Ahsoka be Ahsoka in this battle. It was like, I don't want to say she was holding back. But it didn't seem like a normal Ahsoka battle. Because she didn't use both of her lightsabers. Is that what it was? Yes. She only used one of her lightsabers. I mean, I knew she only used one, but I didn't realize that would probably prohibit her from. So when you look at what she, I don't know if she knew this guy from, um, any of this stuff had done anything, but when she walks up to him, she, I, I think it's like whenever he lights his lightsaber and they're going, and I don't know where she would have gotten this from, but I think it was the, her not wanting to play into his lightsaber style. Okay. Cause he's, he's very heavy. He's very Bushido based with five. his drives form five. Which it's, is it's also a combination of form one and form five that yep. he's that he's he's done, and it's very heavy strikes. Mm-hmm. Two, I don't know if you noticed that his lightsaber is legit, like a two-handed 
heavy sword style. Yeah. I don't know if that's like a callback from when he played in, um, what was it, Lord of the Rings, I think it was? Uh, no, was uh, King, um, the King Arthur movie. He was in that, um, let me see. What else was he in? I know he's been in several movies where he used yeah. a long sword. Yeah. But I don't, and that's what I'm trying to figure out. Like, I don't know if that was kind of like a callback to that and kind of like the fighting style he's kind of used to when he did sword fight in movies. And they were just trying to keep it like base like that for him. But either way, the dude's legit. And he had already, at this point, Ahsoka has tried to take the map. Before the battle begins, she burns herself. Yeah. with Because it's just, I don't know if it's radiating heat or if it's the dark yes. magic and the dark force on the ball, on the map itself, that causes her to be burned, which also could have prevented her from using both hands and both lightsabers. Well, I think, yeah. Because she did injure that hand. Well, remember, she grabs it after a second. Yes. You were already fighting. And I think that she was trying, she was trying to, to prevent him from damaging it. Yeah. But um, and this battle was intense. Like it, it, it really was. And to me, whether it was she was injured or she played it too safe, which is kind of really not her her forte. She's kind of like dual saber, balls to the wall, handling business. Like, very quick, very fast, sudden attacks. But patient with it, you know? It's not like she... I mean, she's... You get what I'm... I mean, we both know how her fighting style is from Rebels and Clone Wars and everything. So, check this out. When she fought uh, Mark, she only used one lightsaber. She did, and she was very patient in the force. I think that's because she was peeping his style from when they fought before. Um, and she and, timed this the strike, and she perfectly. was she timed the strike. She had to change up her style to gain that advantage. So when she went there, of course, you got Balin Skull, and that's his apprentice. Most Jedi masters are going to teach their apprentices in the forms that they are. So, so who I, is his uh, master? Um, Balin Skulls? Uh, I had looked that up. Hold on. Plo Koon. Plo Koon, yes. Supposedly. And that's and of course it's going to be because that's Dave Filoni's favorite Jedi. And that's yeah. also the man who found or the life form. He's, I guess he's an alien. He that found not. Ahsoka. Yes. So that's where they believe the tie-in and why Balin kind of has this connection that I don't think Ahsoka is really aware of yet with Ahsoka that she doesn't realize. I, I, and I think he's just a sentimental old like like Jedi. Like I he's still got that he's... Jedi in him. Yes and no. And you can tell that because... I mean, he fucking orange, killed her. I mean, of the orange lightsaber blade. Okay, I think that he's one of those that he's not a Sith, 
So he doesn't give in to his anger. Yeah, but even uh, Brian agrees. He, she was just trying to be yes. traditional. And uh, I think that uh, he's not a Sith, so he's not all rage, hate, and this and this. I think that um, he does have those aspects that if I don't have to kill you, I don't want to. Mm -hmm. You know, if you make me kill you, I will kill you. I will do what needs to be done. Yeah. I mean, he, he you can tell that he still hangs to those traditional Jedi values as well because, I mean, his Padawan has a knot. She has a Padawan knot. Yes. And or he Padawan pulls, braid. And he pulls back on that anger that she has because <laughs> yeah. you can see it just below the surface mm -hmm. of her. She is... She's ready you know, to... She's intense. Yeah. And so he pulls those reins back and he goes for it. Because I don't, I think he's trying to prevent her from becoming full to the dark side. Yes, with him, like the way he is. Well, and, it, he, and it's similar to what Ahsoka to is as well. Well, no, that's what I'm saying. He's not to the yeah. dark side. He's not on the light side. And I, I'm not going to use the term that other people would use for these types of individuals, like Ahsoka, where they call her a certain type of Jedi. I'm not going to do yeah. that. Yeah, I don't. I don't believe in that. There's there's dark. There's the light. And then there's those that walk on their own path. And I believe that's what these people are. And it, what serves them is what serves them. If killing somebody serves them. Right. Sorry, you're getting fucking killed today. I mean, we've seen it hundreds of times in Rebels with Ahsoka. She had no issue. Like, hey, I don't want to kill you. But don't, you know, don't make me not have the choice. Yeah. Yes. And I think that's where Balin is as well. They're very similar in those regards. And I think that Balin sees that. Mm -hmm. I think he sees and some of those things. You look at Plo Koon, and you look at like Mace Windu, like those guys. They they flirted, and they knew how to keep themselves from taking that step that would lead them down the dark side. Even yeah. though Mace had no issues murking a motherfucker. Mace had none, absolutely none. Didn't give a shit. It, exactly. And Plocoon, he... same way. And with Balin supposedly being Plo Koon, and now that I'm sitting here really thinking about it, you see Plo Koon in the in Clone Wars. Yep. He didn't mind. If you well, if you gotta die, you gotta die. Sorry. Yes. You were the enemy. You were the enemy, and that was how he distinct. If you gave up, he let you live. If yeah. you didn't, then you made your choice. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of what we saw with, you know, when Balin, you know, not slam, killed, whatever, Ahsoka. We'll find out next episode. Yeah, tomorrow over night. The, yeah, over the cliff. Uh, he was just, you know, he sighed. He didn't want to do it, but he's yeah. like, yep, okay. And, you know, and if... We'll get to it here in a second because it, but so at this point, you know, just before she was pushed off the ledge, I think is when Sabine ran up uh -huh. and grabbed the map with her black. Well, no, she's already fallen off the ledge. Sabine runs up, grabs the map, puts her blaster to it. It's like, I will destroy the map because at this point, uh, Morgan is still trying to calculate the jump into hyperspace to get to. Right. They need that Thrawn. last, that last little bit. Yep, I think it's down to like the last like two 
calculations needed to make the jump. Mm -hmm. And um, we we see him do. I don't want to say it's a Jedi mind trick, but it's like Jedi empathy that he uh, uses yes. against her. Uh, well, not against her. He but, did a he did a force read. A force read. Yes, thank you. It, it is it is actually a Jedi. Um, uh, I forget the name of what they call them, but it's a Jedi skill. Yep, they, they, they called yep. it force empathy in the um, in what I was reading to figure out what it was that okay. he did. Yeah, okay. yeah, and basically what they do is they read somebody, and that's how he picked up on all the stuff that he just blurts out, and he know you know he he's using it effectively. To manipulate uh, uh, Sabine into doing what he wants. I mean, he's literally leading her to say what it is that he wants her to say and yep. do what he wants her to do without her ever realizing that that is what he's doing. Because she doesn't know. She doesn't, she, she can't read the force. She doesn't feel the force. So therefore, she's not going to pick up that stuff. But right. it works and it's effective. She gives over the map. Yes. But not before Shin runs up and chokes the shit out of her with the force. Well, no, that was, uh, she gave the map to him. That's and, right. And then he turns around and Shin comes up and then Shin, yeah. Starts choking the freaking shit out of her. Because Ahsoka had knocked Shin and we thought Shin was hurt bad. Yep. Because when Shin shows up, and Sabine is not there. She fears the worst. Ahsoka believes that Sabine might be dead. Yep. And so she hurls Shin like hard with the, the yep. force push. And then, uh, you know, after Shin gets up, and Shin's like, yeah, chick. <laughs> so that was kind of cool and seeing like a force choke finally again after yeah. all these years seeing. We went from Vader force choking all the motherfuckers to never seeing it for a long time. And then all of a sudden, Shin runs out like. And at first, yeah. it took me a minute to calculate what it was. I'm like, what the hell is wrong? I'm like, oh, oh damn, Shin is choking the shit out of her. Oh, yeah. I knew what was going on because she said. Like, she's got her in a forced rear naked hold. Yep. So I thought that was kind of cool. And then, you know. Balin literally just said, "Stop! She's ours. She's he with says, us." I'm a man of my word, and I will I, take I you to your friend. Her, he said, "I promised her no harm would come to her." Yep, and that was that was cool because you know they puts the map in, they get the calculations. Yes, he walks over to the map. Done. Map destroyed. Destroys the map. And, uh, and uh, you know, they take her into custody, they handcuff her, which I don't even think at this point she really needed to be handcuffed. She was going I willingly. I I do. Uh, you think so? You think she would have pulled why. some Mandalorian mind tricks? It, it, no, no Mandalorian mind tricks or any of this stuff. She's not with them. She's That's true. with them, but she's not with them. And she they has are, her own agenda. Well, and, yes, and she's going with them. I don't care if you if you haven't professed your your soul to me as my apprentice, you're gonna be in handcuffs. 
which shows that he does not have a classic villain trait of hubris and, you know, over being overconfident in the situation. Yep. And I would like to point out that Balin did use her family kind of against her as well. Uh, Of course that he, he, he He did bring up unlike Ahsoka, I will keep my word and I will take you to your friend because we all know Sabine's family was lost on the battle of Mandalore. Yes. I think it was during Rebels that happened? Nope. nope. Or Clone Wars? Nope. Nope. So... <clears throat> it was Moff Gideon, right, that destroyed it? Yes, but that was after... That was... It happened sometime after uh, the fall of the... Uh, after the end of Rebels and before the uh, Empire Strikes... Not the Empire Strikes Back, but... Um, uh, they say in between that and Return of the Jedi. Because I know when they in the Mandalorian, happen. they go back to Mandalore and realize that, oh wait, our world is now inhabitable once it, again. Well, it wasn't it wasn't as destroyed as we thought it was. Yes. So because there were Mandalorians that were still there. Mm-hmm. So not in Clone Wars, not in Rebels. Because the one that they saw, I, I had a whole conversation with, with somebody. I can't remember. It might have been you. But in Rebels, they showed that um, it was either Rebels or Clone Wars. Uh, I think it was one of those two. I think it was they, Clone Wars. Where they showed the, um, no, because Sabine wasn't in Clone Wars. It was in Rebels. Yeah, so yeah, Rebels. I mean. So when when... The uh, Empire starts using that uh, Mandalorian anti-Mandalorian weapon again. Mm-hmm. They uh, they hit a whole bunch of Mandalorians and they die. But her mother, her dad, and her brother were all shown still alive. Mm-hmm. And there were some other remnants of their clan still alive too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? Because yeah, at the end, right, I remember that at the end of that whole Mandalorian arc in Rebels, uh, her mother says, "You know, Clan Wren, you know, mm-hmm. uh, supports, you know, uh, which the Rebels." Uh, yeah. Well, no, old girl as um, the Mandalore. Oh, um, Bo-Katan. Right. So they were saying, "Hey, they pledged to Bo-Katan. So, but you know, and also at this time, you know. We see, you know, he's trying to turn Sabine against Ahsoka by saying, hey, Ahsoka didn't listen to you when you tried to tell her your family was in trouble and she chose to ignore you. I'm not going to ignore you now and I will take you to Ezra. And she said he said his name. He said, I will take you to your friend Ezra. Yes. Now, he got all of that from the force uh, from the force read. Yes. Empathy is there. You've seen, but that I, I do believe all the stuff that I've looked at and I've seen, and I went back to both Clone Wars, Rebels, that it happens during Moff Gideon's uh, strike, the Night of Tears. Okay, yeah. And so what we this is good. This is what I'm looking most forward to is exactly finding out because he did say because and it was hinted at before that it was something 
deeper between Ahsoka and Sabine, but he hinted, he basically, you're right, he called it out, he said... He called it exactly what it was. He, he said, she did not listen to you, and your, your family died. But it, also, you have to look at it from Ahsoka's point of view. Nothing they could have done would have prevented what happened from happening. And that's what I want to find out. That's what we need to see. We need to find out exactly what happened during the Night of Tears. And if, you know, something that Sabine could have done or was telling Ahsoka, because it, the way that I read the whole situation was Sabine was telling Ahsoka, we need to do this or this to prevent this. And Ahsoka did not listen to her. And that's why they keep asking in the earlier episodes, do you trust me? You know, there's a matter. Yeah, I, I think trust. there's a reason why Ahsoka did what Ahsoka did, whether Sabine understands it or not. Because I've never, in all the years we've had uh, Ahsoka now, she's never been one to stray away from something that she could prevent. Or what, but there has been a few times where she's, even when she was a, you know, in Rebels and in uh, the Clone Wars where she's felt strongly about something or she didn't believe certain information. Yes. And so if she, if Sabine is, remember in Rebels, it happened a lot of Rebels. Sabine was saying, hey, this, this, and this, and Kanan, they all came to trust her word and stuff, but, you know, sometimes... Earlier, they, though, they did not. Yeah. Because they were kids. And if Ahsoka was still looking at Sabine as a kid and was like, calm down, I know, and we're going to do this, and then the Night of Tears happened, holy yeah. fuck balls. And it, it may be one of those where Ahsoka knew and expected it, but certain things, other things had to happen before she could really do her thing to make it not happen. Or they moved up the timeline. I mean, there's some... 100,000 different things that that's we can talk why about there. I want to see what it is and I am going and to hopefully do. we get it yes they, they have to that's the one thing that I'm looking forward to to see what happened and why because if there is that other perspective okay Ahsoka gets a pass if there isn't and she just dismissed her because she was her Padawan Ahsoka is trash oh yeah there's going to be backlash but I, I, I really don't see that really being the case, given – actually, I can kind of. Given everything that happened to her at the end of the Clone Wars. So I can kind of see that possibly. But we'll see. Hopefully, we, we get those details. So we, we know Savine obviously gave up the map. Gave up they, the map. They finished the calculations. Yeah. The Eye of Scion is ready to make this monstrous, and I do mean monstrous, jump into hyperspace. And about that time, Hera and the four flight of X-Wings pull up in the way. Like, they pull up yes. in front of her thinking they're going to ma not make this jump because we're blocking your path. <laughs> Morgan, on the other hand, says, the fuck you are. I have... Sabine with me, I have Balin, I have my whole team here. Calculations done. are done. We're fired up. Deuces, Hera. <laughs> and the only thing that saved Sabine and those two other X-Wings that survived were the fact that the Eye of Scion has a giant fucking hole ring. in it. And it's a ring. 
That's literally it. And it tossed them around like they were fucking nothing. Bills, yeah. So they obviously they made the hyperspace jump. There's no more map. So that's where we're kind of at with this. And that was also the hyperspace jump is a nod to Star Wars The Last Jedi when they did that hyperspace jump and it destroyed several X-Wings in and that not as well. Several X-Wings. That's what they used to do the hyperspace jump and fuck up Snoke's ship. Yes. Yep. So we know that Ahsoka has fallen off the cliff. Yes. However, when they pan down, we do not see the body. And this is after the Eye of Scion has did a little hyperspace jump. We see the water. We We see see the water. We see the waves. We see how high that cliff really was. Oh, yeah. Because before the angles they were given of us, given us, doesn't really give it a lot of justice with how yeah. high that actually is. So we know she's fallen, and she's fallen into to the world between worlds. Now we see that, and also it's known as the netherworld of the Force. Right. It supposedly transcends time and space. It's sort of an afterlife of the Force. Yes. Which means Balin killed her. It, it could mean that Balin killed her. Or when he did the force push on her, she was yanked there by something or somebody. Because that's how we see Ezra do it. He was yes. led there. Yes. He was led there by, was it the Lothal Wolves? The Lothal Wolves. Yep. So then we see. Oh, we got Brian talking to us. We're getting there, Brian. I swear to God. We're we're about to get to this point. <laughs> so we see Anakin, a DH Hayden Christensen as Anakin, wearing the last robes that she's seen and that Ahsoka would have seen him in. Yep. And and it's it's fucking cool in the fact that he goes Hey, hey there, Snips, which is why he called her for the first few seasons of the Clone Wars. Yep. And I thought that was pretty fucking cool. That he, he was like, hey, Snips. And you see her get up finally from her fog or whatever. So what I think we have here is, so given the time frame, I think Vader's dead. Oh, if yeah. If I'm not mistaken. Well, Vader yeah. is dead. Yes. But he can force ghost. We all know that. He's still around as a force ghost. And what we're seeing here is his force ghost was like, she's not ready to die. And he pulls her into the netherworld. I'm with you on that one. Now, do we know if we're going to get the Anakin that she knew before the turn of events of Order 66 and him becoming... Lord Vader? Or are we getting the real Anakin? We don't know what we're getting quite yet. We should be getting we should be getting the Anakin that is at the end of Return of the Jedi. So the Anakin that's just about to he hasn't turned yet. No. Return of the Jedi. We're going should be getting at the end of Return of the Jedi the remastered version where it is um, Hayden Christensen as Anakin as okay. the Force Ghost. Okay. 
Because remember, the first time he comes in the original trilogy, it's David Prowse as uh, yep. Anakin when he dies and all this stuff. But they so, de-aged him yep. in the new remastered Return of the Jedi. That's, That's the Anakin Force Ghost we should get. So he knows everything that he's done and what he became yep. and all of that. But he's the dark side has been kind of purged. He's been redeemed. So what I think, this is Jeff here. We're going to get kind of like a trials. Ahsoka never faced the trials of the Jedi. Well, she did. They did say that, hey, everything you've been through is kind of like your trials. But I think we're going to get, like, Ahsoka's going to have to fight Anakin and Lord Vader in this world before he goes, now you understand. And he basically pushes her back out into the real world and, to, and she's alive. And they're basically going to find her on the cliff. Well, I think that she understands <clears throat> now. I think she's understood some some form after he dies. She's, you know, she's kind of get got that understanding of he failed. She doesn't know why he failed or any of that stuff because she was gone. But you know, she she doesn't. She knew that after he was gone because she faced him in Rebels. Mm -hmm. In she the world of in the in, well, she faced him at the temple. Correct. And she also faced him and Palpatine yes. in the netherworld. And so she doesn't want to go down. Brian was right. She doesn't want to go down that arc. She knows where he, he's gone from. I think that, God, I don't want to agree with you on this whole fucking trials thing. And he says, now you are a knight or any of that stuff. Who the fuck who? No, leave her yeah. the way that she is. I don't want her to be a Jedi. Leave no, her I'm with you on that one, but, but I think I we're going to get path. something similar to that. I can where see it's it like path. you have to choose your path, just choose the right one type of deal. You know what I'm saying? I, yeah, I think he's going to give her some more information that she might be missing. Yes, and give her because at the end there, she's you know her hand is crippled, it's hurt. She's here. She's seeing Sabine, you know. Hold this 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 blaster to this thing and knowing Sabine isn't going to do because she's she telling knows. Sabine to destroy it and she knows Sabine isn't going to do it. Yep. Because Sabine is going to choose. So you kind of if you look at Ahsoka's face, she's kind of like oh, fuck. Yeah. This I is do it. think that there may be another way for them to get to another galaxy far, far away. And this may be why Anakin is here, like, hey. You're not looking in the right place. Because they may already have one. It may have been something that the previous regime had built. And that we haven't seen yet. We don't know. But I do know at the end of this, we got the Lord Vader theme. Oh, yeah. So that tells me we are going to at least see Hayden Christensen reprise as not only Anakin, but also as Darth Vader as well. Yeah. yeah. So we're going to see this. We're going to see them battle. We got to. I don't, I don't know. That's, they've already battled. Why would she need to battle them? 
I don't, I don't feel that she needs to battle Anakin. She's done that, and she beat him. She will not beat him, but she. Well, I think he really bettered her the one time, but then I think she got the best of him on another one. Yeah. But neither I here nor that. Thelonious is writing. Uh, yeah, because you know there's what no else? way that she should have been able to beat him. Period. No. So before we start wrapping everything up, where the fuck is Zeb? Uh, <laughs> Zeb is sitting at a bar. So I got a feeling that Ahsoka and them can get to at least where Zeb is. Because we know where he is. He's with yeah. his people. And I got a feeling if they can get there, then maybe, because Zeb's a great aircraft mechanic. We know that. He's proved it time and time again. And then maybe that might be another way we get we see them get there. So not who knows? Remember, they had to build the ISION with massive, massive engines, and a lot of them. Uh, Four of them, I believe. Yes. So we'll see. I mean, it's going to be interesting what we get in episode five, because I think episode five was probably going to give us about an hour, hour I'm and 30 minute possibly run time. I'm hoping. So we'll see. But final thoughts before we round this out, and I got to go pick this kid up from work. There we go. Final thoughts. My final thoughts. Y'all know how I feel about Dave Filonius. Y'all know how I feel about Ahsoka. Y'all know how I feel about Sabine Wren. This series is legit. Um, Dave Filoni has done an awesome job with this. And that... Uh, we all do, Brian. We we deserve it because the other episodes have been kind of short, 35 to 45 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. I think we at least get an hour and 15 run time, something like that. I'm here for the end of the to the end of this series. And um whether or not I agree with a lot of the stuff, it is it is what we've needed from Star Wars. Keep it going. What we deserve. What we need, what we deserve what we should have and um i i, I i've been trying to keep my uh felonious hate to a, a low medium and it's it's killing me but i i want to see where they go with it the revelation and of course the revelation that ahsoka might have just dismissed her out of hand shows a weakness on her part and i'm here for it anything that will help tear that one down uh but anyway, she's uh, the characters there. They they have to. It has to be more. And I believe that uh, you know Jason going with them will have a, a direct effect on his course growth. Him wanting to be a Jedi like his father and that sort of thing. So I'm here for it. I'm ready for episode five tomorrow. It's going to be a banger. Is going to be epic. I, I do think with this being in theaters, we're going to get a phenomenal episode. Yes. We're going to get some finishing pieces before we roll into the last three episodes of the season. And we're going to be back next Monday for sure. Oh, yes. 
to discuss because this is going to be a banger. I'm going to try to see. Hopefully, EJ can tap in with us. Maybe some of the other people from USDN. If not, y'all will get me and Rob once again. And that ain't a bad thing. Not a bad thing. Um, everybody deals with stuff. And right now, we got people out dealing with some stuff. And we'll send some thoughts and prayers their way. Oh. Nothing too bad. So don't don't start freaking out on me. It's nothing too bad. A shout out to EJ. Absolutely. And to Quan EJ and Jen. The Queens of Nerddom. Jen and Tay. Absolutely. One last drink to the fam. And we are out of here, ladies and gentlemen. All right now. <laughs>